0: Who likes rules? Woo! Yes, yeah. I love rules. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> and in fact, I love rules. I, lead, I read rule books for games, not just to work out how to play the game, but because I like learning them as well. And I was the kid in class when we were playing football out on the playground who was always like, no, the goal doesn't count, you're offside. Even when we didn't have a referee and there were no rules anyway. I just can bear to have people cheating or anything like that and uh, I love knowing the rules because I can tell my opponent that they can't do the amazing (laughs) move that they just decided to do because they're not allowed in that situation and just sometimes I love knowing the rules because it means I can get away with cheating. (laughs) 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 That's it, yeah. Like you cheat. So, yeah, I admit it, I love rules. And I expect that everyone who plays against game me finds that quite annoying. <laughs> so, as uh, Naomi talked about yesterday, this weekend we are looking at the Book of Galatians, as you've just turned Woo! to. Yeah, which was written by Paul, because he was worried about other people who loved rules. And those people had been telling his friends in the Galatian church some stuff about these rules. They'd been telling them that in order to become Christians and be saved from the consequences of their sin, they also needed to become Jews and follow all the rules in the Jewish law. And can anyone remember the particular rule that they insisted that they follow, which a lot of the talk was about last night? (laughs) (laughs) For Kamara's benefit, yes. Uh, yes oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this morning we're going to look a little bit more at Paul's argument against um, why he didn't think that the Galatians needed to follow any rules in order to become Christians, and we're going to look at why faith is more important than the law why God, like what the point of the law was in that case, if you don't need to follow it to become a Christian, what the result of our faith is, and then finally a little bit about how we can make the same mistakes today and try and impose the law on ourselves and on others if we're not careful. So, um, starting from Galatians 3 verse 7. I'll read a little bit and then talk about what it means and then read a bit more and you get the idea. So, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, the non-Jews, by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse as it is written cursed is anyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law clearly no one relies on the law who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith the law is not based on faith on the contrary it says the person who does these things will live by them Christ, that's Jesus, redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant or contract that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds in plural, meaning many people, but, and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later, does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. Now, if you are following it in your own Bible, you may have noticed that in this section there were a lot of footnotes. And um, that... They basically give references to all of the books in the Old Testament that Paul is quoting in the bit that I've just read out, and um, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and the reason he's doing that is to to show that he's not just making this up for himself. He's got some back backing to what he's saying, and. Um, what he is essentially doing to these guys who love the rules is saying, you think you love the rules? Hattie, do you love the rules? <laughs> you love rules. Okay, well, what Paul is saying, do you guys think you love the rules? Well, actually, I love them better than you do. <laughs> You've completely misunderstood what the rules were, and this is what God was actually saying through them. Paul's a sage. <laughs> Yeah. He takes notes. That's it. So, he explains that Abraham was made a promise that people from all nations would be blessed by his descendant Jesus and that this promise predated the law by hundreds of years and was not superseded or replaced by it. So, if Abraham was given the free gift of God's love and as favour as a result of his faith in that promise about Jesus, then the same is also true for everyone else who puts their faith in Jesus. See, the law that God gave to Moses for the Israelites to follow was never meant to be a way for them to earn the blessings of forgiveness, eternal life and a relationship with God. Those things were already offered to them freely by God's grace if they would just put their faith in that promise and in fact it was impossible for them to be made right with God through following the law because only one, only someone who was perfect would actually be able to achieve that and because we're all sinful beings and we are imperfect unfortunately we will only fail to live up to that standard that the law calls us to no matter how hard we try. So then, what, what is the point of the law? Why did God give it to us if we're just going to fail by following it? Well, Paul goes on to explain that. So, from verse 19, he says, Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions, until the seed to whom the prophet promise referred had come. The law was given through the angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised... Being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So one thing Paul wanted to make very clear was, to the Galatians and to us, is that the law wasn't God making a mistake or deliberately trying to stop people from coming into relationship with him. God is good and he is wise and he is love. So he wouldn't do something that would inevitably lead to people's destruction or being, from them being permanently separated from Him. Rather, there are two reasons that God chose to give the Lord to His people: the first one to show them their need for faith, and the second one to point them towards Jesus, the means by which their um, faith would be achieved. Think of this scenario. You walk into the kitchen, there's a nice big cake cut into slices on the side, there's plates by it, a few pieces already gone and crumbs scattered around. You think to yourself, "Oh, we're just meant to help ourselves to the cake, wouldn't you? And you start to do so, you put a slice on the plate, and then you see the sign which says, do not eat the cake. And being the well behaved, person that you are you would put the cake back down and step away um, mm. yes, okay. however that that wouldn't stop you from wanting to eat the cake would it you'd be like this is really annoying why is the cake here why is there a sign saying do not eat it i really want to eat the cake you have put that temptation before me whoever put it there and in some way it's similar with the law in that it can make you change your outward behaviour but it can't change the desires of your heart it can't stop you from wanting the cake but God is as Naomi said last night God is just as interested in what's in your heart as he is and your what's going on on the outside and you see all the stuff in the law was good and living it by it was the right thing for the Israelites to do but it didn't actually change them on the inside or save them in any way so the law helps us to see because of that that we are sinful because it makes us realise all the wrong things that we want to do in our hearts even if we're not actually going through with them and that's what Paul means when he says that the, God, the law, sorry, <laughs> the law, the law was a guardian and holding them in custody. It was helping them to realise the true situation they were in through their inability to keep the law, whether outwardly or in their hearts. And it was showing them their need for faith in God's promise of blessing. But the law was also, moving on to the second reason that God sent the law, it was also helping them to understand how that blessing might be achieved as well. You see, there was one person who was able to go through their whole life without ever breaking the law, either externally in their actions or internally through the desires of their heart. And that one person was Jesus. He was the only one who was able to earn the blessings of, through God's law rather than suffer the consequences of breaking it. But so that we might receive those blessings from him, Jesus suffered on and died on the cross as though he had broken the law, even though he never had, in order to take the consequences from us and onto himself. and take and replace his blessings for our consequences of sin. So we can be set free from the consequences of our sin by putting our faith in Jesus, both who he is and what he has done. And that wouldn't have been possible if the law hadn't made us ready to receive him. So then, what does... Say the result of the law is uh, sorry, the result of our faith is. So, I'm going to read a bit further from verse 26. So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. Neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father, So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God made you also a man. Wow. When we put our faith in Jesus, when we call him Lord and choose to be baptised in his name, we actually become a child of God. That's pretty incredible. And that means that all earthly differences between us fall away and become unimportant. The things that keep us apart in the world, such as race, sex, age, occupation, or any other thing that can be used to separate us, all of them become completely irrelevant in comparison to our shared identity as children of God. Now, in the Roman Empire, at the time when um, Paul was speaking, only sons were able to inherit anything from uh, their fathers, whether that was land, wealth, or authority. And whilst Paul wasn't condoning that or condemning it, he was using it as an example when he describes all of us as sons, he was saying that no matter what sex we actually are, because we're not only God's children, we're also legal heirs of his kingdom alongside Jesus as well. And that's even more incredible. You see, before you realise that Jesus is Lord and put your faith in him, it's a little bit like you're a a baby or a toddler going through life. You see, you see things going on around you, but you don't truly understand why they're happening. You act on the basis of your whims and desires, but overall you don't really have much say in what goes on. But when you put your faith in Jesus, it's like you're starting to grow up and mature into the person that God always planned you to be. You're able to receive his Holy Spirit, You're able to call God your dad. That word Abba um, that I read out earlier is just daddy in um, Aramaic, the language that they spoke at the time. You're able to understand better what is going on around you and you're able to act to advance God's kingdom in the safe knowledge that it is not only for his glory but also for your good because you are going to inherit that kingdom, so you want to see it do well, right? We join with all of God's people who have put their faith in his promise, all the way from Abraham way back when, right up to the present day, and that is the best family you could be a part of that you could ever hope for. So, that was the message that Paul was sending to the Galatian his friends in Galatia. Faith is more important than the law, but the law is good because it leads us to faith in Jesus. And faith in Jesus results in us receiving God's promise of freedom and blessing as his children. And the truth is, we need to hear that message just as much today as um, the Galatians did 2,000 years ago. Because, you see, there is, whether you put your hand up earlier and said that you love the rules or not, there is within our hearts a little bit of us that does love rules, whether we realise it or not. And that can... um, Come out in various different ways. We can look at the Bible and get frustrated that it seems to be like a whole bunch of stories, love poems, <laughs> um, lists, and prophecies of the future rather than just being like a kind of a manual that tells us what we need to do in order to get in good relationship with God. We can look up to people who act in a really holy way. And wish that we were more like them. Because then God would be really proud of us. Or we can look down on people who don't worship God in the same way as we do. Because clearly they're not doing it right. See, in those ways and in, in many others, we are just as likely to... Um, think that rules and laws are more important than faith, as the people that Paul was arguing about. And we need to hear his message about faith and the wonderful consequences of it over and over again. That way, our faith is renewed and we can avoid missing out on some of the blessings that God wants to give us now, or even worse, we could end up reducing the faith of others so that they miss out on his blessings completely. So let's just take a moment now to um, sit quietly, and search our hearts, ask God if we have been believing any lies about rules being more important than faith in Jesus. Then ask him to forgive us and to help us to believe his promises, his promise of blessing. And then let's worship him for those wonderful promises, promises of life, blessing, of freedom, and of joy in his presence forever.